Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on, shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, we can't get fooled again. Welcome to the show. I'm Ben Kissel, as always, joined by Marcus Parks. Today's guest, Molly Neffel. Thanks for being here, Molly. Thank you for having me. We have a page seven Abe Lincoln's Top Hat mashup episode. <laughs> Crossover. Crossover. Very exciting. Molly Neffel, of course, from Cave Comedy Radio's page seven. She co-hosts that show with Jackie Zabrowski. And check it out for your the most up-to-date news of entertainment Thank in you. entertainment. Well said. Mm-hmm. I love it. And, of course, you also host Radio Dispatch uh, with you and your brother, John. I do. And you can check that out daily. Where can people find that? They can find it at theradiodispatch.com or on iTunes or whatever else um, uh, mechanism you have for streaming, RSS feeding. I don't understand how podcasts work. That's exactly it. You nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> RSS feeding sounds like something that, uh, they did to the... Um, to the terrorists or the accused terrorists in Guantanamo Bay. Oh. <laughs> RSS feeding. Of course, the Oscars were this month or this, this past Sunday, and everybody is upset. The right, the <laughs> left, the middle. Yeah. Everyone is livid because they were not entertained. Uh, they felt like they deserved more from their Oscar uh, Sunday evening. And uh, let's just get right into it. Controversy number one, Patricia Arquette. I love Patricia Arquette, but you know what I love the most about her? Her teeth. You know what I love the most about her? Her outfits in the show Medium, where she has mm. dreams, where she solves crimes in her dreams. Can I we not talk about, <laughs> why don't people bring up Medium more? I it, didn't know that she was in a show called Medium. It's the be- her best work. It went work. on for like eight seasons. Yeah, wow. I don't think it's been on for a while, but I'm still a little bit obsessed with it. And I think I maybe have talked about it on page seven before. Yes, you have. If you want right. to see Patricia Arquette in pajamas for 45 minutes. I yeah. do. <laughs> then Medium's a show for you, brother. She's always wearing these mom pajamas and okay. she's always having dreams where she solves crimes. Well, it's so fun to have dreams when you're wearing pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> That's the perfect outfit to wear when you want to have a good dream. She starred in this movie Boyhood or she was the uh, the co-star and she won for Best Supporting Actress. And she gave her Oscar speech and she brought up, uh, you know, how it's time for a equal pay for equal work between men and women. And Meryl Streep said, I'm, I'm all for it. Meryl Streep was very excited. And she was beautiful, and J-Lo was sitting next to her. And uh, J-Lo was also, everyone's all like, Meryl Streep loved it. No one's mentioning how excited J-Lo was. J-Lo couldn't get enough of it. I mean, you can't exactly, I didn't see anybody visibly booing. 
No. You know, it's definitely <laughs> something that any, any rational person is on board with the idea of equal pay for equal work. I'll bet if they had cut to like Robert Duvall, though, Robert Duvall would have been like, mm, yeah. you know. Or John Voight. John Voight. Yeah, he definitely yeah. would have been like, like, not booing, but definitely just an eyebrow furrow. I feel like mm. wherever Robert Duvall sits or John Voight sits, first of all, they sit together, and then on their feet, it looks like a. Uh, very similar to a baseball dugout. Just a bunch of sunflower seeds. <laughs> when you get older, at some point, you just have to start eating sunflower seeds. And I don't know why it is. Maybe it strengthens your teeth or it reminds you of the uh, of the good old days. Something like that. Back when seeds were the primary source of food. Before Monsanto took everything over <laughs> and we're left with a bunch of GMOs. I haven't gotten one superpower yet and I'm super pissed. Um, but that's why I want to leave... I want to leave chemicals in the food for another 10 years just in case at one point I wake up and I can fly. Um, And then I'm going to thank them for that. (laughs) So that'll be exciting. So that wasn't so controversial what she said before she got uh, beautifully played off with the great orchestra music that the uh, Oscars always provide. Backstage, she was Mm -hmm. asked to elaborate more as a matter elaborate, elaborate. Uh, more and there was actually a hashtag, uh, hashtag on Twitter trending at the time called hashtag Ask Her More. And then reporters did ask her more, and this is where and that's she got. Where they should have ignored the hashtags. Mm, that's right, because re- let's remember she's an actress, and then mm. the script ran out, and then she had to improvise. And when she improvised, she said some things that people, um, specifically on the left, were were relatively upset about. She said uh, because of uh, the way that women helped, uh, you know, black suffrage and get the black vote in like the 1870s and things like that, uh, the way that uh, women have helped the LGBTQ, and I think there's another letter on there that I'm missing right now. Uh, Molly, you're the expert on this. LGBTQ, I, and there's one sometimes more. Sometimes they're I. And sometimes an I. I don't know what the I stands for, but I'm, I'm all for whatever you're doing. Intergender? In- intersex, yeah. Intersex. That would be hermaphrodites, my friend. Which is in, is insulting now? Yeah. Okay. You can't say hermaphrodite? <laughs> you're on top of it, though, Marcus. I what about the, ma- the mighty- I've been hosting, I've been co-hosting a show with you for three years. I know, I know which words are quote-unquote problematic. Well, it's tough <laughs> which, to By the way, up. the word problematic has been thrown... I've seen the word problematic in tweets and articles so many times in the last few days than I have in the last five years combined. And to be honest, I have tried to um, jettison that word from my vocabulary because I realize that it is like not saying anything, right? Yeah. So, the, so you have to be like, instead of saying something's problematic, I want to be more specific than that because well, it just doesn't mean anything. It sounds like a very fun sort of infomercial project or product that, um, you know, you you could sell to somebody who's going through some struggles and you say, you got a problem? I got a problematic to sell you. <laughs> and you, what you do is you write your problem down on a piece of fruit with a magic marker. <laughs> then you put that fruit inside of my problematic, which is just a glorified a glorified blender. It's a Nutribullet. It's a, yes, but we can't do that for legal reasons. Yeah. It's a problematic. Um, that's what it's called. And then you blend the problem that was written on that fruit and then you have a great smoothie. So hopefully the problem that you had was obesity and then you're going to start to lose some of that. Patricia Arquette kind of put her foot in her mouth again saying that, you know, women have helped with the LGBTQ community and uh, now it's time for everybody to to uh, come to the defense of women and fight for equal pay for equal work. A lot of people in both sides, but specifically uh, just what I saw online, specifically in um, in a lot of the uh, the black blogosphere, uh, they were they just were like, we cannot compare these two whatsoever. And I guess sort of like, oh, thank you for helping us. And now we're forced to help you. What do you think? Did, did she make any rational point when she did, you know, be like, hey, can we all just 
get behind this movement for a moment. Okay, so I totally dug her acceptance speech. I was like, yay, rah, rah, right. Like, this isn't like a policy discussion, obviously. Like, we're not going to, you know, deeply examine your points. But you did a good job. Everyone was psyched. Oh, yeah, Uh, a a policy discussion. I mean, this is the United States of America. They had 45 seconds up there. Way too long for a policy discussion (laughs) of the U.S. Eight second sound bites. Everybody knows it. 45 seconds, you might actually get a little bit of truth. So I was all ready to be like, good job, Patricia Arquette, and then call it a day, right? Right. Uh, the problem, the problem when uh, when the prob- sometimes white women or white people in general will dis- will refer to two distinct groups, uh, which is women and people of color, which mm-hmm. is what she did, or women and LGBTQ people. And the problem there is that, of course, women can also be people of color, and women can also right. be LGBTQ people. So when you say, well. Uh, queer people and black people should fight for women, it kind of makes it seem like you don't think that there are black women or queer women. You can say queer now. That's acceptable? Uh, if you are not using it as an insult. I think. In 93, you couldn't say queer, but now it's back. Yeah, yeah. As long as you're not saying it in a Boston accent, then you're fine. Oh, yeah. You can't say anything in a Boston accent. But also, just in terms of, you know, I think one of the very legit points that was being made about her argument is... Uh, even if you can say, well, oh, I like maybe she didn't mean to like erase the fact that like people of color and uh, LGBTQ people can be women, but also like uh, the the pay gap, which was what the, the specific issue she was talking about, is now the b- pay bigger. gap. It's different than the thigh gap, <laughs> and maybe and and well. dare I say it's sad. We need to get the pay gap and the thigh gap to be the same. You know, no more distance <laughs> between the gaps. Yeah. Not the non- thigh gap is disgusting. Thank I never you. understood the thigh. It's like a. It's like a. Uh, you you like a good gap. I'll take it or leave it. I don't care. I'll I don't know. It. I don't know why it got so famous. I'm just oh, not sure I've where the thigh to guys gap came. Who are like, oh, she's got a good thigh gap. Yeah, People the, really think that. I think it's a micro penis approach to uh, looking at a lady sexually. <laughs> I really do because that's the whole point of having a larger booty. It's uh, it, theoretically letting everybody around you know that I have a dick long enough. To penetrate this person who has a uh, exceptional derriere. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that is where, true. Where was I? Uh, you were oh, discussing the, um, the pay gap. The pay gap is uh, bigger across race than it is across gender when you control for whiteness, right? So the the pay gap for for non-white people, they get paid as a whole. They get paid less than white people. So mm-hmm. and and of course, women, white women, get paid less than white men. But so, which is just to say that that Patricia Arquette point of like people of color should be fighting uh, for women to get equal pay people of color don't get equal pay and also queer people not only don't get equal pay but but in many states in the United States still you can still get fired for being gay right, right. so I, it's just a little bit like oof of course women should get equal pay of course you're right for calling for that and of course like yeah everybody should like fight together I think it was just a clumsily uh, a, a clumsily articulated point and I don't mean to say that it doesn't like I think I think people were right to criticize her because otherwise because but now people think the, about I, it. But she brought it up into the uh, mainstream conversation, which is a very important thing to do. Just for because sure. she she was just asking for people to galvanize some support underneath the idea of equal pay for equal work. I mean, I don't think that agreed. And everyone that's, got that's so cool. butthurt over it. Well, she brought the convert that conversation to the American public for what twenty minutes? Yeah. Until now, the conversation is lo- no longer about right. equal pay for women. The conversation is now about comparing women uh, to gay people and to black people. So the conversation has now shifted away from what she originally wanted to bring light to. Right. But what about what about uh, the fact that, you know, black people did get uh, to vote well before women got to vote? That wasn't until, what, 1920, which is insane. 
I yeah. mean, so she does have some valid points with when it comes to that argument. And I mean, women have been notoriously liberal throughout, uh, you know, most of these socially, um, you know, slow, uh, socially progressive, uh, you know, uh, rights movements and things like that. So she is making a point that women have taken the lead on most left-leaning social issues and, for and, a very long time. And I also agree. I mean, women, even, you know, even the most privileged women in Hollywood, which if we're talking about women in Hollywood, they're already economically privileged. Uh, right. d- definitely like majority white, obviously. And so uh, and 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 even the most privileged women in Hollywood still experience sexism all the time. Right. There's no there's there's fewer like leading roles for them. They're expected to play these certain parts. And so. Right. Which is, you know, I think that all that stuff, she's making a, a, a very good point. Um yeah, I just don't uh I don't think I I mean in terms of like the front lines of the struggle for like LGBTQ rights for example, I don't think that there was like a ton of like straight white women at Stonewall that were fighting for that like Oh, there were a couple, but they didn't know that every <laughs> dude there was gay and they still thought they might marry Tom. <laughs> um but then Tom got married to Andy a couple of years later. You know. And there were like white people who marched for civil rights, like great, but like my I mean, there was a large the- amount of white people who marched for civil rights. Yeah. That was where one one area, Selma, obviously not very well represented in the awards category, but well represented at the Oscars in general. Mm. John Legend and Common sang, and there was a lot of uh, there was a more diverse. They definitely overcompensated for their lack of diverse um, uh, nominations. Nominations yeah. with with every pre- uh, a lot of the presenters, um, right. you know, uh, which I- read to me is like a little bit like self conscious. Like, whoops, we got criticized for not nominating any black artists. We'll just yeah. have a lot of black presenters. And then, of course. Neil Patrick Harris, who I actually thought did a fairly fine job, and the nuts on that guy. Holy Christ. <laughs> I loved every damn second of him in that underwear. I'm not even gay, but I was jealous of his body, and I was jealous of his balls. He uh, just pretty much made Octavia Spencer a uh, security guard. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of weird. It was an With her watching yeah. the uh, the briefcase, it was it was almost like a, a bad pro wrestling, like Royal Rumble <laughs> gimmick. You know, you almost thought people would have to climb a ladder and uh, open up the briefcase and win some uh, ridiculous intercontinental title or something. And she didn't seem to enjoy that bit whatsoever. I don't know if that was, I mean, I would just, everything is planned at the Oscars. Every single breath somebody takes his plan. So I would assume they had to tell Octavia, hey, when you sit down, you're going to be bothered throughout the whole show. Perhaps. I, I hope they did uh, anyway. Otherwise, she would have been fairly upset. Yeah. So that was, but I think, you know, that being a backdrop for Patricia Arquette's speech also sort of played uh, played up this uh, this idea that, uh, you know, she was trying to co-opt, you know, the struggles of the black community right. and harness it into a white Hollywood liberal um, you know, sort of a framework, and then we're supposed to sympathize with white women the same way that we had to sympathize with uh, with the black people who were marching in Selma, for example. Right, and I, you know, like I'm all about like calling on people who are already in your camp to like support you. I totally get that. Like calling on the left to support you instead of only criticizing the right. Like I, all, I totally like thumbs up. I do think, however, in that room, right, the pro- or and and uh, in terms of like consumption of big fancy Hollywood things, I do not think that the problem. I just think it's weird that she was like, "Hey, people of color and queer people, it's on you now." I feel like it would have been more right. appropriate for her to, for example, be like, "Hey, fucking famous, powerful men, it would be cool if you advocated for women's rights." <laughs> yeah, I don't. That is truly ridiculous. <laughs> you know, and that's why she's an actress. <laughs> now she pulled that off with a straight face. I love being a rich. Hollywood executive. Yeah. <laughs> how do you think that would do? How do you think that would affect her chances of getting work, though? Sure, that's yeah. a good point. I mean, 
I mean, let's. Um, what what her resume hasn't. I mean, other than uh, Nightmare and Elm Street, Jer- Dream Warriors, her career hasn't gone anywhere. Medium. She did Medium. eight seasons of a television I program. <laughs> I, I love. I love. And Stigmata. Do you remember? I Stigma- love Stigmata. That was a great People, movie. They were bleeding there. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> um, what about the, what about the uh, the argument? Maybe we talked about it. You were on the last episode. You were on was the hashtag ban bossy. I believe. Oh yeah. Campaign. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not really sure if we touched on this or not, but seventy cents to a dollar but the argument that women tend to work in jobs that are less successful the cliche would be men go on to be engineers and women go on to be teachers these jobs pay different um when it when it's broken down for that the uh the differences aren't quite as dramatic uh yes but there is a historical reason that women um go have have been teachers and the reason is exactly so that they could be paid less Going back to like the movement for public schools in the late 1800s, I'm reading a book about this now, so I'm really excited to be able to talk about it. Uh, like basically the the like the like the Washington like lobbyist premise for funding public schools mm-hmm. was you like will have a put place to put like single spinsters and pay them much less than you would if you had to hire like real people men well that's exciting though because otherwise they'd just be sitting at home doing their <laughs> i don't even know what what's a, what's a spinster a weave type thing crocheting a crochet yeah but then you get to go and you get to give them all the children yeah, yeah. give the women all the children they'll be so happy because women's you know if they're if you're a single lady and you don't right. have a man you should have children around and you. i'll tell you that how many spinsters spinsters were there around like we've got to do something with all these spinsters I- oh it was, it was <laughs> an <laughs> epidemic you don't remember the spinster epidemic of 1917 <laughs> <laughs> it was massive. I mean, people were running out of yarn. <laughs> I think part of the problem, to be terrible. honest, was that when a husband died, mm. because there was so much more death back then, and when yeah. a husband died, you'd have these women who weren't allowed to do anything else, and so right. people were like, "What do they do?" And these other women were like, they could become school teachers. You wouldn't have to pay them anything. Right. And the men in Washington were like, great idea. And that's why uh, historically teaching has been a woman-dominated profession, precisely yeah. to pay them less. And, uh, well, yes, teachers definitely need to be paid more. They should be paid more because that is a difficult job. It's a nightmare job. And uh, I would ne- I don't know what I would have to be paid in order to walk into a room of 26th graders <laughs> and have to try to teach them math. That sounds worse than that's like <laughs> i would rather go on that show um uh fear are you, factor are you smarter than a fifth grader no no am i smarter than is that a question no it's a, it's um, a show i love that <laughs> are you smarter than a fifth grader hosted by jeff foxworthy it was a great show i would rather go on that show fear factor and just do every bug challenge back to back to back and i'd give them a hundred dollars as opposed to having to go into a group of sixth graders mm-hmm. and try to teach them math it yeah. sounds almost impossible. So teachers should definitely have started to get paid more money in the beginning. Agreed. And, you know, in terms of executives, again, like, women just weren't slash aren't allowed in those big boy rooms. Because what do you mean they're people, not allowed in? I mean, there's... You they know, are now, like, but, but, but it's still very... Even if they are allowed now, uh, if you go into... If you look at, like, CEOs, right? Isn't it, like, I don't have the stats with me, but isn't it, like, one in 20 CEOs is a woman? It's still a very male-dominated field. And, and that's not an accident, right? That's right. not just a, like, oh, only one in 20 women is interested in having a ton of money and power. 4.6% of the S&P 500... Uh, Four point six percent of the co- of the uh, companies have women CEOs. Yeah, so that's not that many. I mean, they're big corporations, though. General Motors, right? Uh, Xerox, Lockheed Martin, uh, Yahoo. They're, I mean, they're pe- Pex- Pepsi, PepsiCo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, they're, they're big. Yeah. 
So, yeah. so I mean, why why do you think that is? Do you think it's just an institutional, uh, you know, uh, gender bias, or do you think women uh, originally weren't necessarily drawn to those positions because a lot of people make the uh, a lot of people make the uh, genetic argument? They're just like women don't like to do it. They just like to have their babies and take care of random eggs. Yeah, no, those- and they like to they like to make scrambled <laughs> eggs. And they like to, they like to boil eggs, and then sometimes they draw on eggs. Women love eggs, you know. What I mean, but you know, that's like the argument mm-hmm. for a lot of it is like that's where it all started. Right. Chicks didn't want to be in the room. Yeah, no, those people are sexist. And uh, what happened was, what happened was up until, right, let's think about when like the most recent, like, you know, obviously there's been women's movements like since the 60s, but the most like women want to work movement, right? That was in the 60s. So if you think about that was not that uh, long ago. No, not at Um, all. And so if women could not work at all from then, even if it has been illegal, uh, not I mean, even if it has been practice, common practice, uh, uh, and those those like kind of cultural attitudes shifted starting sure. in the early seventies, let's say, being generous, uh, it, things take cultural attitudes take a long. The, even if you make something illegal right away, it doesn't necessarily uh, change things right away, right? This is why, like, well, that's sort of the question. So, in '63, they passed the Equal Pay Act, right? Or something. Right. Was, I don't know the exact name for it, but anyway, it pretty much guaranteed that, that you couldn't, uh, you know, not pay somebody more or less based on their gender. What else can you really do? You want uh, a lot of people want to pass legislation and things like that, but it just doesn't seem like it's ever going to be effective because you really can't. At the end of the day, it might end up hurting hiring if people are very concerned that they can't, uh, you know, be able to afford having a, uh, a woman in there or something like that. You know, yeah, but I, I mean, mean what, it, other than legislation, because I mean, do you do you think it's possible to legislate your way out of gender bias, race bias, uh, orienta- uh, orientation bias? These are social yeah, problems, right? They are, but also they are social problems that they're lo- they're they're the reason they're so powerful is because of laws, right? So, like we have to remember, uh, America was a country for between three and four hundred years before 1963, right? So, uh, uh, we can say, okay, well, we passed that law and it hasn't done anything, but we're working against not only those three to four hundred years of being America as a country, but also you know, fucking since the beginning of time in terms of marginalizing women in terms of, uh, you know, and, and, and similar thing. You can say, oh, well, the civil rights movement uh, uh, for black Americans happened in the 60s. Uh, and some people think that everything's fixed now. Some people say, well, it will never be fixed because of social issues. But the reason those social opinions exist is in part because of the immense amount of time during which women and uh, black people were second-class citizens, like legally second-class citizens. So there's a bit of a hangover for when they're socially... It is a long hangover, but relatively not that long. 50 years... Compared to 300? Well, let's see. The The world's been around for 6,000 years. Uh, it's been 6,270, 6, Oh, yeah. Well, let's yeah. get it right if we're going to say it. Um, all right. Good points. Let's move on to uh, the other big issue of the Oscars, suicide. It's a suicide, and God knows it was discussed a lot at the Oscars. There was a woman who made a uh, – it was a, uh, a woman in a – what was it? Dana Perry, I want to say her name is, but I might be getting that wrong. 
She made a documentary with another gal. I have it here in the New York Times. Um, it's Dana Perry and uh, Ellen, Ellen Goosenberg. Leave Ellen Goosenberg alone. <laughs> Don't say Goosenberg like she won an Oscar market. <laughs> Dana Perry and Ellen Goosenberg. Kent, they want to. Uh, uh, it sounds like a great documentary. I want to see. It's all about suicide hotline uh, for. It's a suicide hotline for uh, returned soldiers uh, from war, and obviously they have PTSD. And uh, thank God they call as opposed to doing what the man who shot Chris Kyle did and uh, hitch a ride when they're going to a gun range. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. If you have PTSD, I don't know anything about it, but the one thing I would assume, gun ranges are probably not going to be good for you. So she was talking about how we need to start talking about suicide now. We need to talk about it out loud. And the Oscar orchestra started to play her off it was as soon awkward. as she said that. Yeah, whoops. Isn't It's a little bit hypocritical for Hollywood to be talking about suicide when the entertainment business has driven more people to suicide than any other business on the face of the planet. The entertainment business is all about rejecting people because they don't have a thigh gap or because they have a little bit of a strange, crooked nose. The entertainment business uh, business is the most callous, cutthroat business on the face of the planet that has legalized... Um, you know, uh, when it comes down to bias and like when it comes down to breakdowns, mm-hmm. they they will specify every single thing that they want up to mold placement on a person's body. And then they had the, uh, the audacity to go in and stress suicide prevention when in reality, I think that they're one of the main reasons why people feel like their bodies are terrible because Hollywood just pumps out the most gorgeous people on earth regularly and tells us that that's what we're supposed to look like. That's an interesting point. Like, not only, like, within the entertainment industry does it lead to, like, severe depression Jonathan and Brandon, Jan- Jonathan Brandis. Peg and Whistle. Peg and Whistle. There we go. <laughs> Think about Peg and Whistle. Jonathan Brandis from uh, Sidekicks. Yeah, and Sequest DSV. It was great. You were I'm saying. not sure who you're talking John, about. He was a, he was, if you were a young fat Ladybugs. Like, Do you see Ladybugs? Mm-mm. No, he was. He dressed up as a lady. Rodney Dangerfield was the coach of the soccer team, female soccer team, and Uh-oh. Jonathan Brandis crushed it. Now, actually, in hindsight that I see that movie, it is a little bit sexist that a man had to come in, put on a dress. <laughs> Same thing with the movie Tootsie. Yeah, but you know what happened? Of course, at the end, he couldn't play, and the girls knew that the talent was in them all along. Okay. And they didn't need a man. Good. Yeah, that was that was a good... Uh, but anyway, he killed Either himself. Either that or they sucked the, for the first half, and then he came back for the second and save them. One Could or two, be. I can't remember. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Some, yeah, some My point, money's on the second one. <laughs> probably. Probably. Yeah, I mean, that's a fair, that's a totally fair point. And I, you know, I also, as much as it's like, I think it's nice when people use their, plat, like, their microphone time to speak to an issue that's important to them, especially, I think, if you are a documentary person, like, your whole the whole reason you're there is because you're like I am talking about an issue that is real right right but I like to your point Ben I feel like it's almost impossible for something in this like glitzy celebration where you have 45 seconds to speak really anything you say even if the band doesn't interrupt you it's going to feel a little bit like hollow right right like it's gonna feel a little bit just like a gesture like Graham Moore the uh the um the winner for the imitation game. Mm-hmm. He gave a great speech, and he said that he you know did. he was when he was sixteen, he was a uh, suicidal. I do think it's a little bit of an overshare. I'm not going to lie. We don't always have to go through our darkest moments in the middle of everybody during the public eye when it's supposed to be an award show. I think that was one area where people were kind of like Debbie Downer, sort of a nationwide commercial during the Super Bowl <laughs> moment, where everyone's just like, "Is everyone dead? Whoa. Is everyone? Should I be depressed? And should I kill myself too?" Um, but the problem with Graham Moore, and not the problem with, but some people take issue with Graham Moore because he's not gay. 
And there was a large series of people that said he was co-opting the gay experience. Really? Co-opting oh, I missed that. The, uh, the, uh, the, the difficulties of growing up gay. And he put it into the movie, obviously made the lead character. The lead character was gay in the movie. And uh, he took it, but as a straight man, he doesn't deserve the right to benefit off of the struggles of a gay teen. So what do you think about that idea that he co-opted uh, gay struggles and put it into a movie and now he won an Oscar for it and we all know he was depressed when he was 16? Well, wait, is the movie is uh was Alan Turing gay? Yeah, Alan Turing, well that was one of the oh, big yeah. things. Alan Turing was essentially the father of the computer, like the father of modern computers. We wouldn't have any of the technology that we have and he was uh, hounded into suicide for being gay in England. Okay. Uh, and that's, and that's part of, true. that's a big, that's absolutely true. Yeah, okay. that's, a, that's a big part of the movie. Right. Uh, is that he's, uh, he essentially, he also won World War II for the Allies. Uh-huh. I wouldn't say single-handedly, but if not for Alan Turing, we would not have won World War II. Okay. Uh, I haven't seen the movie. That's just what I know from history I and see. whatnot. Okay. Uh, but yeah, he was also gay and it was a, a big deal and eventually drove him to suicide and if there was right. acceptance and it's I mean it's known that if Alan Turing wouldn't have been so hounded by people for his sexuality the things he could have accomplished technologically uh-huh. we would probably be at least 20 years ahead uh-huh. technologically if Alan right. Turing would have been allowed to just wow. live his life well in terms of uh, the screenwriter I don't I mean I feel like the way that a lot of bullying um, uh, happens for people doesn't necessarily have to do with whether... uh, Obviously, I don't mean to say that, like, gay kids don't have a specific, like, experience of bullying, right? But I think that also a lot of people get bullied kind of, like, based on, like, gender or sexuality, like, expectations, right? If these statistics were true that sixth graders... If a sixth grader called every, if every single person a sixth grader called gay was actually gay, ninety eight percent of us would be gay. Right, Six, so, everyone's just gay. If, right. Oh, you don't eat cheese with your ham sandwich, you're gay. You know you're gay, right? It's like what? <laughs> this is nothing to do. I'm a lactose intolerant individual. Right. So right. So so it's not actually. I mean, again, not just like we can recognize that like gay kids have a specifically different, different uh, and difficult experience, but right. also right. Like in terms of bullying and in terms of like feeling like alone, a lot of that, in my opinion, has to just do with gender and sexuality expectations. I wasn't gay when I was a kid, but I was completely bullied for like who I was and that had to do the fact that I actually liked boys didn't matter because everybody just didn't like the way that I looked and who I was because I wasn't like a normal girl. Yeah. And that's what a lot of boys had as far as conversations I've had with male comedians. Uh, it seems like a lot of boys had similar experiences where they weren't gay but got called, you know, fags and stuff. Are you telling me male comedians had troubled a <laughs> Uh, adolescence. <laughs> I cannot, I refuse to believe that. Is it good the Oscars are even taking on these serious issues or does it dampen them? Does it cheapen them? I mean, that's my only concern because the Oscars are such a ridiculous blowjob to the industry. It's such a ridiculous blowjob to everyone that's yeah. involved in entertainment. Uh, we know these people are, uh, they, the, the egos, I mean, everyone, every successful person in every successful, uh, in every large field has a large ego, but there's something very specific with the uh, with the egos of somebody who is in Hollywood. Well, it goes back it to Marlon Brando. Marlon Brando was probably the first one to make a big statement at the Oscars. Sure, when he brought the when Native he, American yeah, woman. When he, yeah. he had a Native American woman expe- accept his Academy Award to make a statement about the plight of the Native... I mean, it's a big joke now. Uh, but at the time, it was a big It big is deal. a big wow, joke right now. Right Marlon Brando. Yeah, but I mean, what, what? how many Native American people were represented this year? Right. It's not you know, like... When we, I mean, did it, does it work? Is it an effective thing, or again, does it do nothing but 
make them, these individuals who are going up there giving their speeches, make them feel good about themselves and that we don't talk about it anymore. Right. But the Oscars can pretend as if they don't aid and abet in a... In currently, the culture in this country, when it comes down to entertainment, it's like borderline pedophilic. It is like sexually completely confusing. Yeah. Uh, and the uh, Hollywood does very, very little to add to any sort of, I feel like a conservative preacher or something, but they don't do anything to add to any positive morality of the country that actually builds to like foundations of friendship and foundations of what it takes to actually be a good person. All they, they're they just junk food. They're just Doritos, right. and they're fun to have every now and again, but if that's all you have for three meals a day, you're going to end up like, uh, you know, that uh, the, the fella from Super Size Me vomiting outside of your car door because your body's repulsed by what you're putting inside of it. I mean, I don't know if these if they actually hit the target on anything. Because let's just go, let's just do a quick review of the three things that we've talked about: uh, the veteran, the the documentary that won uh, about veterans. We're not suicide. talking. We're not talking about veteran suicide. We're talking about the music playing them off. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, the right. whole thing with this imitation game thing. We're not talking. Uh, we're not talking about uh, teen suicide. Uh, we're talking about whether he should have co whether he was co opting gay struggles or not. And of course, uh, the last one we're not talking about. Uh, equal pay for women we're talking about whether women should be compared to buy i mean it just seems right. like it backfires they i don't think they know how to talk about it or well, i don't know if we know i think more importantly i don't know if we know how to listen we don't know how to listen and we don't fully you know i was talking to my friend dave about it and you know in like minneapolis and places in the midwest people go to the uh to the internet and they they read these articles and they take them far too seriously and they give them far too much weight. There was one dude I read, uh, Stephen Thrasher was his name, and uh, his whole piece was about like race. He was a black dude. Uh, he was writing for The Guardian, talking about how he was uh, he found himself upset that he was relating so much to this little white boy in the movie Boyhood and talking about how Sean Penn demanded, he literally used the word demanded, uh, to see the green card of, uh, what is it, uh, Alejandro Gonzalez in Iratu. I don't know how to say these names. That's you know. pretty good enough. Yeah. I, I tried, you know. I'll give me that. You made uh, it a little bit French. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah, but he's like, he, de- he demanded to see the director's green card. He's like, no, he did not demand it. That was a chuckle. That was a friendly like gesture. They're friends off and you know on stage and off stage. These people are. It's a very close knit community. I mean, and what happens is you watch the Oscars. You you have a you have seven hours to get an article out to the Huffington Post right. or to the Guardian. You need to make that $150 this day, and you need to find an angle. And unfortunately, the vast majority, nine times out of ten, they just choose to sort of be snarky, and they choose to take things out of context. And they choose to present things in a negative way. Although, you know, people, I know that, like, everybody hates bloggers. Uh, and, and I also think that a lot of, there's plenty of people who write on the internet and who are being opportunistic, who want clicks sure. and whatever. Of course. But also, I, I do, I mean, I don't think that the people who are making those arguments about Patricia Arquette, for example, you know, I know some of those people, and they, this is like, this is like work that they do every day, right? They're not just like waiting and and, uh, lurking to pounce on like some hapless medium star, right? Like, they, uh, like, this is like ongoing, for a lot of people, a lot of writers, a lot of uh, activists and feminists and and people who talk about racism, like, this is like, they do this work every day, Um, and not only famous people, you know, people are always like, well, why are you hating on the Oscars when you could be hating on something more important. A lot of those writers are doing Right. We're talking about policy in Washington and all the like all that more important stuff like a lot too. You know, and and I think but but to your I mean what you describe, right, is like a a market where people need to 
write about this because and then make money because that's how some people make money. And similarly, right. uh, what the Oscars are is just a giant money-making machine. So ultimately, right, nothing in the Oscars is going to be truly critical of of the status quo at all because it is the status quo. It's a reflection of the status quo. Sure. That's why you can see who's left out, right? And that's why it matters on the on on the one hand. On the other hand, you know, I would say if there's like a 13-year-old kid who is uh, watching the Oscars, they can be influenced by what people say. You know, when you have a platform, I think you should be responsible how you use it because there might be people who, like, you can affect their lives with what you say. We've all been affected by, like, what people in public life have said. Well, of course, and that's what I'm saying. The, that's the irony of the whole situation is that now all of a sudden they're out there talking about suicide prevention, talking about, you know, ways to benefit and better your life, and their product that 90% of these people uh, produce are the exact things that kids are looking at that's making them depressed because yeah. you know if you listened I was talking I did a I interviewed Jermaine Fowler on the um, the Ben Kissel show when we were talking about gir- girl code and guy code and how if the girls or if the guys would say the things that they say on that show to an actual 11 year old girl which is their demographic they would be arrested for for sex crimes <laughs> they would they would go to jail they're talking about how to give blowjobs all they know their demo is 10 years old to 15, 16 year olds. They know that. And still, the thing that they put out is all body issues. It's, uh, you know, body um, shaming. It's all about, um, you know, how to gape. I mean, these things are like very adult themes that happens nonstop on all of these uh, in the movies and on the television shows. And then they have their award ceremony and they just pretend like they're holier than thou. When in reality, they're the culprits of the vast majority of depression and uh, and feelings of shame in the in the country. I wouldn't say it's the vast majority of. When was the last time you saw it? Like you were saying with chicks in the, uh, in uh, in film, there was a, there was a much better time. This is not a good time for women in film. You know, this has been there. Was, there was like like Audrey Hepburn era. Like there was some bad. Oh, ass shit I would happening. say that that I would say that there may have been like individual examples of better times. Definitely Audrey Hepburn, but there's I think it's safe to say that there has never been a better time. Things are awful now uh, for most demographics uh, that are uh, not even minorities because women aren't minorities, but um, uh, marginalized. Whatever things are not good. But they've never been better, right? Meaning, like, women, I think during Audrey Hepburn's time, maybe awesome for Audrey Hepburn, but for your average schmo actress. For your Peg Entwistles. Peg Entwistle, again. <laughs> Rest in peace, Peg. Very underrated actress. Took her own life. Peg Entwistle. You know, I think that, uh, and same for black actors, obviously. Right. Um but but I, you're right. I completely agree with you. Hollywood perpetuates the worst things about society. But I mean, at the same time, it's it's the entertainment business. That's I mean, I don't. I'm not sitting here dissing on you know what they you know. The fact is, I'm six foot seven. I'm not going to be working in a movie as a nerd. You know, it's just not happening. You know, so everything has to. You're just little pawns in the larger piece. You know, so when you're when you're sending out the casting things. 
it's not like they're really trying to be necessarily racist or dare I say heightist or <laughs> whatever ist there is. It's just this is what they're looking for and there is no other option. But that's a reflection of power, right? And that's why it's fucked up. It's not it doesn't originate in Hollywood and it doesn't end in Hollywood. But it's it is it it's the image like Hollywood creates the images that are the dominant ones that are that reflect like the reason that they don't want a tall guy in a commercial or in a movie. Uh, I can say I'm loving it. <laughs> I am enjoying this. No, Mr. Okay, Ben, it's I am loving it. I could eat this again. No, no. Get him off the set. You know, it's not that casting director's fault. It's not that commercial writer's fault. It's not, and and like, so it's like a pass the buck game, right? Like, right. No, it's no one's, you can't Is it the consumer's it. fault? You know, no. that's what they always say. No one wants to see somebody uglier than them on television. I don't they want to feel good. Although, I mean, reality TV has sort of shifted that notion because now we love to watch our big fat honey boo boo disasters now is the new, right. it, not even new any longer. But, you know, that's a, that's a very common thing that people love now. too. So you're either beautiful or you're a train wreck. No yeah. one wants to see the mirror of themselves. Well, as far as Hollywood goes, I mean, is, you know, right now is art a reflection of life or is life a reflection of art? Uh, are they making these movies because of how life Life is in America right now, or well, are people feeling like shit because life isn't what is reflected in the movies right now? I would say that the people we know, like in terms of what we know, and it's it's obviously very difficult to pinpoint any like particular like origin because I would call back like the the whole like hangover about women's rights and civil rights. Like it takes a long time to recover from like what what. Uh, we've been used to thinking, but also in terms of who makes movies in Hollywood, we're talking about. A tiny group of wealthy yeah. people who tend to be mostly white, who tend to be mostly men, who tend to be mostly straight. Get, anti- get anti-Semitic with it, Molly. You know you want to. <laughs> I was thinking it. I have to. I have to admit that's what mm-hmm. I was thinking too. All right, Marcus, it's all you. <laughs> Anti-Semitic. I'll, I'll take. Mostly Jewish. I was some people, was some people subscribe to different religions than other people. Yeah. So well, I'm not going to sign on to that part, but she I, signed on. <laughs> Marcus, edit that to make it seem like she's signed up. I will sign up to that part. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I think that uh, wealth, even if we're going to take away all the identity politics of it, it's wealth, right? It's like right. fucking a small, tiny group of gajillionaires right. who decide what the people want. They're the ones who are the who are making uh, all of the young people miserable about what images they're putting forward, right? Because, yeah, they're, I mean, if anything, if there's a singular... Uh, thing that we can isolate it is like fucking extraordinary excessive wealth right oh absolutely I mean these people have it and all power wealth and power they ha- yeah I mean what would be something what what would you have liked to see in the Academy Awards was there anything that stood out that was just um, that was missing I would have liked to see Selma get more recognition, and and, well, and I didn't see Selma, so I can't actually say. I do I have to see that. it. It seems like an uh, you know I, I love the story, and I have to be honest, have not seen Selma either. I've only seen right. uh, 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 the Wes Anderson one, Grand Budapest Hotel. It was great, and Gone Girl. Uh, <laughs> but I've been hearing that a lot, though. Is that you know when p- people say like you know like yeah Selma should have been more represented, and then you ask them if they've seen it, and they're like nah, I didn't, well, I, didn't the, I didn't take the time. The, the sor- right. My source is a fellow named Adam, uh, who is a very successful director that we know very well, and he's a movie uh, aficionado. He saw Selma, 
And uh, his opinion was it wasn't good enough to be nominated for an Oscar. He said it wasn't one of the best pictures of the year. So is there something? I almost, you know, obviously when the white Oscars came out, which is what this year was, there's no doubt about it when it comes to, obviously, the nominees. Like we said right. earlier, that, that got a lot of heat. I... Um, uh, I, I was I was I don't want to say impressed. I was surprised that the Oscars uh, went that white that fearlessly in this day and age where everything is sort of a college campus brochure. Everything should sort of represent uh, well, you know everybody. And, I mean the best uh, direct, in the culture, best director, and you know best pictures directed by a Mexican American. Yes, right. and which is yeah. all. And I'm like psyched that that guy like got to you know that I I didn't I'm not. There's other things to hold against Sean Penn. <laughs> uh, yeah, it could have been beating Madonna right. for a decade. Right. Oh, yeah, that's uh, right. Oh, yeah. Sean Penn is a fucking Rihanna and Chris Brown, there was Madonna yeah. and Sean Penn. And notice how it doesn't stick to Sean Penn the way it sticks it, to Chris Brown. Oh, it hasn't stuck to Chris Brown at all. Yeah, Chris he Brown performed. He won three Grammys after that. Agreed, in yeah, terms of professional crushing. success. But people people associate Chris Brown with domestic abuse in a way that I am that not going to say that that is a bad thing whatsoever. I'm not saying it's bad either, but I'm saying it's different with Sean Penn, which is But also that was pre-internet that's true, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah but so but so i wish that i had seen selma so that i could weigh in on this uh a lot of people whose opinions i i deeply respect have have talked about the the cultural relevance of selma right like this almost even reminds me of like when we were talking about like the cultural relevance of beyonce's flawless as compared to uh, not beyonce's flawless beyonce's album beyonce as compared to beck's album even like not having even if you had ne- never listened to either you could make an argument that What's, like why Beyonce's huge Be- this is a resurgence for Beck Beyonce's traveling fine, all but, over but the like country but like when we talk about like what makes a good album like in terms of the cultural relevance of an album like the Beyonce album was a culturally relevant album my point why being, wasn't Beck's uh, because Beck has been uh, because Beck has made a bunch of awesome albums. Yeah, but so was Beyonce. Yeah, but Beyonce's album was visual. It was released. This is overnight where white liberals are always knowing. so. This is where they give blacks the god the I just god mean card. In, I didn't mean in terms every, of the pre- this presentation. This is the Morgan Freeman. Yeah, I mean, just because they're black doesn't mean their words have any more weight than somebody who's is white. <laughs> You know, certainly not when it comes to Beck's album versus Beyonce's well album. Kanye actually listened to it two days after he uh, made the uh, argument that Beyonce should have won, and he said it was actually really good. Yeah, Kanye didn't even Kanye is having our the equivalent of our Selma conversation. He didn't even listen to the Beck thing, right? And we're talking about Selma. And none of us has, none of us has seen it. Well, but Selma, regardless, it, like sorry, go and, ahead. and it's also as far as like the cultural relevance type thing, there was also a Cesar Chavez movie that came out this this year, and you know, in Mexican Americans, the Mexican American experience is also. Vast vastly underrepresented in America right. so but Cesar Chavez you know checking it out 6.3 rating or 41% on Rotten Tomatoes I, and, and I'm not saying that every movie about like, does a it have to be is. good no, I'm not know. no and I'm not saying that I'm I wish I wish that I I would have more uh, uh, cred, credibility if I had seen some yeah yeah that's the thing uh, so, we can so just, but take I'm but Let's put putting all of that aside. The way that people talk about black art and black movies, uh, I think, like for example, there was that Academy person who was like, "Well, why should we have nominated Selma because we because Twelve Years a Slave won last year?" Which is a really weird right, way right, to right, talk right. about a movie, right? If you yeah. had been like, "Well, why should we nominate Wes Anderson because his other movies have received like credit like uh, uh, critical acclaim?" You'd be like, "What the fuck are you talking about? That doesn't yeah. have anything to do with anything." There so, was a certain irony with the Oscars this year wanting to not stress race 
embraced so much, and I think they went the other direction with it and didn't realize the backlash was going to put put a spotlight on a race more than in years past. Because when you tokenize populations like that, the result is, oh, well, we gave it to a black movie last year, right? right. And, and and again... But isn't, like, wouldn't that just make Selma a token if they did nominate it simply because that was the black movie of the year? Right, but just because we have one source saying that it wasn't, and I love Adam, and I'm not saying he's not a credible source, but I'm just saying that it's it's art, right? Like, you could get a sample of people saying it was it was a, a fucking the best movie they've ever seen. You can get a sample who, who people who know what they're talking about about film. Right. You get a sample of people who know what they're talking about saying it doesn't deserve an Oscar, right? So just, I know that we, that none of us can weigh in on Selma individually, but uh, it, I mean, it was nominated for Best Picture. Ava DuVernay uh, 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 was nominated for Best Director for the Golden Globe. So it's not as if it's a completely like it was just made on a handheld camera, right? Right, right, and, right. And so that's, I'm just, I'm talking about the ways that like Black to to include black art, it's talked about like it's a like it's an effort. Like oh well, we are we oh we did it last year. Like why and they do give I have to themselves their pat on you know? the back and all that nonsense. Right. And that, I right. think that has to do with white people being like, well, we have to like acknowledge that there are these black artists and black directors making these black films. And I'm not saying it's a conspiracy or anything, but I am saying like when it's a white dominated field, you might be like, well, I identify with the like white movies. And that's not, it doesn't mean you're a bad person, but it means that like, that's the way the wind blows. Well, if you, if you, I mean, just, I mean, really, I'd be speaking, I guess, devil's advocate is that if you do nominate, if you do like the white movies more and you actually do relate to the white movies more, uh, then doesn't it, you know, doesn't kind of reason that the whole token black thing, like, you kind of do have to make that choice. Well, like, you, you do have to go, like, well, okay, like, I don't really understand the black sure, experience. Everyone I don't understand really... Selma. <laughs> Selma's, Selma's a piece of, it's a, it's a national, you know, it's a historical story in the history. United States. Yeah, but, I mean, everyone gets Selma. And also, in, in response to that, I would say that the way that you address that is to have, like, more black members of the Academy, right? Like, because, of course, white people are going to be like, oh, I don't get Selma as much as I get Boyhood. Like, and that's, and Boyhood, from what I know, is amazing. Amazing. Um, but like, then the way that you the way that you make it not a token thing is to like fight tokenism, right? Meaning, so like, if if the academy is however many percent white, vast majorities, uh, then you make an active effort to change that, and then that you have voters who won't be saying, "Well, I'm a white person, and maybe I should just nominate Selma because I feel guilty otherwise, or because I feel like I have to." But then you have you know black voters there being like, "This is an important movie to my experience." Right? But you know, they didn't really take into account this year. A lot of conservatives are upset because they didn't take into account how much a movie. Made made at the box office. American Sniper made upwards of $300 million. Mm-hmm. And of course, Birdman won for the best picture and it only made $11 million. And a lot of conservatives, this is where the right's upset with the Oscars, they believe, well, first of all, when American Sniper was coming out, every single conservative publication was like, is it going to get snubbed? And it got nominated for everything. Mm-hmm. But now yeah. that it didn't win, uh, now this is where they're having their... Um, Sean Hannity was like, this is about liberal Hollywood. Right, as opposed to, uh, you know, maybe just Birdman was a better movie or Birdman was the, the movie they wanted to go with because Michael Keaton's riding his Hollywood wave. And, you know, that, like the the guy J.K. Simmons who won for Whiplash, mm-hmm. everybody knew he was going to win because Hollywood chooses their darlings of the year. Um, and it was certainly J.K. Simmons this year. So uh, what do you think? Do you think that the American Sniper in liberal Hollywood, first of all, do you think Hollywood is that liberal? And second of all, do you think that American Sniper was solely left out, uh, left off the winner's list because it had to do with uh, 
a terribly uh, terrible a, a terrible uh, war that was a massive mistake. Yeah, and like a child killer. Well, he was a hero. So, <laughs> you know, one person's child killer is another person's hero. <laughs> you know, there was an article about a, a bunch of uh, Iraqi individuals uh, watching that uh, watching that movie, and the person uh, that was writing the article. Um, they spoke with the Iraqi people and they loved the movie and they were watching the scene when uh, when Chris Kyle was supposed to be killing the child who had the uh, who had the explosive device and apparently they just started shouting shoot him shoot the kid so that's kind of fun <laughs> um, that's really how you have to watch American Sniper you just kind of have to forget that these events are real I don't watch a lot of war movies because it's such a real thing I like to watch the documentaries more so then you don't feel like you can in- I can watch people kill people in their dreams all day long mm-hmm. but when it comes to war movies the documentary is good because then you don't find yourself cheering for a whole bunch of death right. Restrepo watch Restrepo Strepo, if you've never seen Ooh, it. Yeah. It's one of the best uh, war documentaries I've ever seen. Do you think it got dissed? That Eastwood get dissed by the liberals? I personally, based on everything we've been talking about for the last uh, uh, part of the entire episode, uh, I don't think that Hollywood is as liberal as it gets credit for. Um, I think that maybe it's not Republican, but I feel like that doesn't mean that it's like progressive, right? Uh, based on all the aforementioned racism and sexism. Maybe they don't like... Uh, I don't even think Hollywood is that anti-war, though, because there's fuck tons of movies that glorify war. Right. And that glorify, like, the Iraq War and the Afghanistan War. Like... Uh, Zero and, Dark Thirty. Right. But yeah. now right. we have something where the left is sort of eating itself. It's very similar to... Uh, um, Oh man, I forget the example I want to use. But uh, everyone is, it's supposed to be the PC capital of the world, is Hollywood. It's supposed to be yeah. this very left thing. But I now, think that's once a you myth. get into, once you get into wordplay, though, you know, like we were talking about earlier, you can't say hermaphrodite anymore. I'm not sure I didn't get the memo. Um, and I'm not sure if many hermaphrodites got the memo. I don't know if a lot of them would care. I think a lot of people, um, you know, they sort of project their views and sensitivities onto other people who are just like, I'm totally fine. You can call me hermaphrodite. Call me whatever you want. Just make sure to remind yourself that I'm your fucking boss. Um, <laughs> you know, but but now we have liberals upset with Hollywood for being not liberal enough. And someone like Patricia Arquette, who is making a liberal argument for equal pay, women's, uh, women's um, you know, equality. And now, but two sides of the liberal, uh, you know, of the, of the liberal coalition are eating her alive. So, I mean, is it is it sustainable? That's sort of the problem with the, the right is the right. And the right always sort of knows where it stands on certain things, but the right also lets a lot of controversial things slide right off their back. Mm. They just don't give a shit if somebody slips up and says something stupid or whatever. They're like, okay, humans make mistakes. The left just attack. And usually when it comes down to somebody saying words that they didn't mean to say, or you have a situation like this thrasher, uh, thrasher guy saying Sean Penn demanded to see his green card, when obviously that was not a demand. Yeah, but I, so to that I would say that like, uh, I think for a lot of people, like liberals, who, people who might identify as like the left, uh, or leftish or whatever, uh, liberals are not them, right? That's a distinct, like, uh, like for example, I mean, I know that liberal doesn't mean Democrat and conservative doesn't mean Republican, but, uh, for people who feel kind of not included or not satisfied with those two labels, I think a lot of the people who are criticizing Patricia Arquette, for example, uh, might be people for whom, like, liberalism is not including them either, right? Like, who might just be like, well, you know, I'm not liberalism eating itself. I'm somebody who's coming just like people who criticize Obama from the left, right? There's horrible, yeah. there's like 
there's like racist and conservative and messed up ways to criticize Obama from the right that like nobody on the left would agree with. But then there's people on the left who might be like, let's criticize Obama uh, because he's not not uh, because these policies are conservative. Right. So I think that that. If anything, it's just representative that there is that it's that like liberal and conservative are like inadequate. Um, it's an inadequate. Right. Two right. Choices. I agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that. I just wonder if it's not going to lead to more of a hardening of positions. I mean, if the uh, uh, polls amongst people in high school and middle school are uh, surprising in that they are kids are tending to skew like more conservative now than they did when we were growing up because mm-hmm. I think we grew up in the I mean I personally grew up uh, you know born in 1981 so it was Reagan then it was W and then it was Clinton who really wasn't he was much more a populist he was not that far to the left uh, you know no. what I mean he ruined radio what was it the, uh, the telecommunications act of 1994 or uh, 1996 and the yeah. Glass-Steagall act as well mm-hmm. right uh, yeah I mean uh, he definitely did a lot to fuck up this country and with you know conservative uh, policies, but right. those extremely conservative Absolutely. policies. Telecommunications Act fu- not only fucked up radio, but fucked up media very, very fucking yeah. badly. And, and then, NAFTA was super conservative too, I yeah. think. Yeah. And then we had W, and now we have uh, with Obama, a lot of kids are coming to age underneath the Democratic president, and I think immediately, uh, whenever you come to age, your immediate response is to reject and, and, uh, yeah. and uh, yeah, rebel against anybody who is in office. Um, you know, just how it happens to be a more left-leaning dude right now. So I feel like uh, it seems like Hollywood, what's to stop them from just hardening down and just being like, well, then forget it. I mean, everyone with everyone's where everyone has an opportunity to speak now. And I just think more and more people are just no longer taking anybody's words. Uh, they're not giving them any weight. And I think you sort of have to, because if you did, I don't even know where we would be at. But Everyone, why don't we just? I almost feel like at this point the Oscars should have just been canceled. <laughs> Everyone's so pissed. Okay, but here's the thing, right? So every the, the thing is with the internet, more people have voices, and so there's more people speaking, and because of that, I think a lot of people feel like there's too many voices. It's just all like buzzing, and it's impossible to make sense of it all. We saw this in the Super Bowl, all of the commercials about like how like dads can cry. It was a total reaction to criticisms about the NFL being right. like a horrific violent masculine institution. And so inst- and so to react to that, the commercials during the Super Bowl were like we're not that bad. Dads love their daughters. And and the Oscars was there was a lot of criticism for it being too white. And then the Oscars was like we're not that bad. We love women and black people. Yeah. And, we got Octavia Spencer watching the only briefcase that matters in the whole building. And, and you know, and and the way that people, you know, I think a lot of times the way that people are like, and again, I'm not defending all bloggers. There's fucking millions of them. No, but the so way that people are like, oh, there. the internet and there's just too many voices and there's just too many loud mouths and people speak for the people, all of which is totally true sometimes. But I think that there's a lot of anxiety around the fact that the internet makes it possible for uh, more voices to be amplified and so then uh, people freak out because they're like I'm being criticized for I'm a liberal and I'm being criticized for saying something about how uh, uh, people of color should fight for women I'm a liberal I meant well I meant well and people like right. don't expect to be challenged uh, because they're like but I meant well. doesn't the meaning behind the word matter? But if you mean well and you're still like fucking swinging and missing then it's good for people to be like hey I get that you meant well but you swung and missed. But people aren't just saying, hey, I get that you meant well. They're being fucking aggressive. Yeah. Right? Like I think it's going to hurt the left. I really think the left is eating itself. I, it's going to be, they have to figure out a way to uh, 
have some actual strong base, some foundation, because the right has that foundation. I and mean, the, maybe they need more of a take aside. Instead of a public attack, more of like putting ours. They like, just hey, need to be more creative <laughs> when they write their articles and make do something positive, say something positive. But things, a lot of things aren't positive. There are a lot of positive spins you can say. There to is negative one thing. There is one vi- very positive thing that nobody has even mentioned once in all of these conversations that I've heard. I have not mentioned Lady Gaga. Not heard anyone? No, Neil Lady Patrick Gaga. Harris. The Oscars this year was hosted by a married, openly gay man, and nobody gave. A fuck. That's good. Yeah. That's great. That is good. like that. That is awesome yeah. news. Like that is a very good indicator of where the country is right now, and that's an awesome thing. But no one's talking about that. Yeah. Like no one's saying like, "Hey, this is." Did anyone notice? I wonder. Well, and and of course, last year, now that I think about it, was hosted by an openly gay and if not married, certainly partnered woman. I wonder if people reacted differently. If 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 Ellen being gay is more of a big deal to people than Neil Patrick. I don't Harris, think I that would, anybody cares about anything. I really don't. <laughs> I just don't think unless that it makes them angry. Shit. But even I, you know, I but mean, unless they have to have a blog due at eight o'clock in the no, morning, listen, and they want to be stuff. Everyone says that the it, bloggers are just privileged people I'm, who aren't oppressed who just write to make money. It's 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 a it's a it's first of all bloggers don't make any money uh, in no. term in the scheme of things. Uh, you don't make money based on clicks. So the idea that you write things for clicks, uh, it's 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 uh, you can blame the fucking institutions for it but don't blame the individual writers for clicks it's bullshit but that aside uh people write i think it's deeply cynical to accuse bloggers would and and also like when we're talking about bloggers we're talking about like people writing the guardian right it's like not it's oh yeah and i'm very self-aware we're doing a podcast right 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 right. podcasts are blogs right (laughs) yeah yeah. uh but uh but what what they mean is people writing about their opinions on the internet and i'm also quite fatigued by people's opinions on the internet don't get me wrong it's fucking ridiculous and there's too much and exhausting whatever but i i i I want to push back against the idea that everybody who writes who who criticizes patricia arquette for example is only doing so out of self-interest as opposed to actually like or or uh, cynical self-interest like oh you're just like a privileged person who wants to jump on Patricia Arquette as opposed to like I said the people that I know about who are writing about Patricia Arquette are like black women who struggle to get paid to write ever right and right. like who are who who feel that they actually have experienced the wage gap and I think that it's just um like I said I think it's cynical and I think it's inaccurate to paint all of the criticism as like um kind of like uh, purely like self-interested and baseless. I think that some of the criticism is coming from a base, an actual yeah. base that cares about this shit. Because white, because be honest, privileged people have better things to do with their time than to pretend that they're not privileged to write about something for $50 a post. It's a pet peeve of mine because I don't even write about my opinions on the internet anymore because it was too don't hard bother. and it was awful. I write about uh, I, I report instead because right. uh, I it was a completely fucking miserable experience to write about my opinions on the internet, so I stopped. Uh, and but but people act people acted people when you write about your opinions on the internet, people act like you're fucking robbing them at gunpoint for their money right. as opposed to what are we doing here? We're talking about our opinions, right? It's just that the internet gives you a platform to share your opinions. You're not putting anyone in a hostage situation. You're and just right. speaking. And does anything on the internet really translate over to the real world? 
You know, is it is does it just live on a computer? Is it all just imaginary? Except that I would argue, oh. and I'll bet that cave comedy radio listeners would say, "Well, you know, this podcast matters to me, right?" And and I think that there are some uh, blogger, uh, some consumers of certain blogs or certain writers who would right, say right. their words, their thoughts matter to me. Yeah, no, the internet's huge. The internet's massive. That's uh, definitely you know, it's uh, that's why these the allegations of Cosby have stuck. You know, it's because of the internet. You know, it's because um, everyone is just there twenty four seven. But yeah, I don't. I, I don't hate all bloggers. It's you, you no, do your I, job. No, and I would sorry like to for see going a little more on that tangent. It's no, just it's a fun. Pet peeve. It, a pet peeve of mine, though, is just the constant ne- the constant negativity that seems to be fueling the internet in a lot of ways. And I think there's more positive ways to address yeah. serious issues that aren't maybe things aren't perfect, but there's definitely better ways to entice people in order um, for them in order for you to get them to see your opinion. It's really just one on one, and it's that's um, a tactics question too. Like that's a, yeah, and I think. Negativity is just not the way to do it because you're gonna get you're gonna get your click stuff. But really, if you read the comments on negative arguments, uh, negative um, blog posts, or uh, you know, or, or newspaper posts, even whatever, they're all negative. Just like back, bashing the person right. who like this Thrasher guy I referenced tonight. Every single comment on that is just like you're an asshole, dude. And then right. so, but so nothing got accomplished right. by that post because right. it was a yeah. Tactically, he went about it all wrong, and I think. Um, Perhaps tactically, the Oscars went about uh, their uh, their um, standing up for social justice issues perhaps a little bit wrong. And um, yeah, that's great. Thank you so much, Molly. Thank you for having me. I hope I didn't rant too much. You didn't rant. You can't rant too much. It's a podcast. You're supposed to, <laughs> you're supposed to talk. Anything you want to say, Marcus? Um, Very good. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right, Molly Neffel on Twitter, right? That's exactly right. And With then- a K. Yes, and uh, and then guess where the K is. Sorry, it's in it's in front of the N. Yeah, you're good. <laughs> and of course, Marcus Parks, and I am at uh, Ben Kissel, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Across America, BP supports more than two hundred and seventy-five thousand jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms, and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Addiction plays hardball. He would hit me with these verbal attacks. I just said to him, I love you so much. You're such an amazing person. I can't take this ride anymore. It was the fact that dad made that sentiment and broke down. And years later, he told me it had a huge impact on him. Sometimes doing what's right for your loved one is the hardest thing to do. Karen is that right thing. Visit caron.org slash lost.